Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. I want to talk with you about the times in your life when God just seems distant. Uh, maybe you're there right now where God just seems far away from you. And I know in my experience, one of the most discouraging things is when it seems like God is far away and I feel like maybe I can't feel him or see him. And yet my own mistakes, my own flaws seem to be everywhere I look. Uh, do you ever feel that way? Can you relate to that feeling? Uh, let me show you a picture from Instagram about power washing the mold off of a wooden fence. I just love watching this cleansing power washer. And here's the thing. This is what God wants to do for you today. You know, mold comes into our lives spiritually. God calls it sin. It's any kind of corrosion that grows between us and God. And we start to feel separated from God. And the more that happens, we start to lose our joy. And it's not necessarily because we set out to say, oh, I want to do some terrible thing. But just slowly with time, corrosion builds up and we drift away from God. And I'd like to share with you one of the principles that I've learned in my relationship with Jesus. The word of God teaches us the answer to this question. How can we be restored to joyful friendship with God? And maybe you're in a place where you outright know there's something in your life that you're ashamed of before God and, and you just, you think, how could I be cleansed of that? Or maybe for you, it's not some big obvious thing. Maybe it's just you've been going about life and the joyful friendship isn't there anymore. It's like you still believe in God. You're kind of trying to do the right stuff, but it's just not joyful anymore. If I could answer this for you today, how you can be restored to joyful friendship with God, would you want to know the answer? Well, I believe God brought you into this moment because he wants you to know the answer. God wants you to be in joyful friendship with him. I certainly want you to be in joyful friendship with God. And so let me take you into one of my favorite Psalms in all of the word of God. It's Psalm 51. And right at the heart of the psalm, it addresses our question of restoring our joy. Here's what it says in verse 12. This plea to God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. God wants you to be joyful in your salvation. In fact, God's people should be and can be the most joyful people in the world. Why? Because we know that the problems of this world are temporary. We know that our sins are forgiven. Not only that, we have the fulfilling presence of God within us through the Holy Spirit. So we have this joy that is available. And yet, just like that wooden fence, sometimes we've got to be restored. I know that's the case in my life. And today I want to unpack Psalm 51 and teach you how to be restored in the joy of your salvation. Well, let's look at the very beginning of this psalm because we see that it starts before it gets to the joy, before it gets to the happy part with this acknowledgement. The writer of the psalm says, have mercy on me, O God. Uh, what is mercy? Mercy is undeserved forgiveness. So if somebody were to steal your car and then they came back the next day and said, yeah, I stole your car. I totaled it. Uh, you know, my bad. Mercy is not you just saying, oh, it's okay. Mercy would, you, would be you saying, if you're truly sorry, 
I will acknowledge your repentance and forgive you and I won't press charges about the car. That's what mercy is. Now, the person who's writing this is a well-known figure in the Bible. His name is David. David started out as a shepherd boy. David was the youngest of his family. He wasn't going to have much of an inheritance. He didn't have much going for him, but he was a person after God's own heart. And God saw David and God chose David and he picked David. And as David grew in God, God honored David. David became a great hero when the spirit of God came upon him and he slayed Goliath. God anointed David to become the king of Israel. David at this point in his life is a nation hero, a national hero. He's the king. He's got everything he could ever want. And yet he had grown far from God. In his abundance, in his success, he had drifted from God. Not only had he drifted, but he had sinned in a really big way. David had seen a woman who was married. He lusted after her and he broke one of the Ten Commandments. He committed adultery. He had a sexual relationship with someone who was married to someone else. Then David tried to cover it up and in the process he committed more and more sins. And David, as he sinned and sinned, grew further and further from God. And in Psalm 51, it's a really a famous psalm. It's a psalm that has helped me in my life anytime I've fallen into sin and I've said, God, I want to get back in right relationship with you. I want you to restore my joy. I want you to cleanse my sin. Psalm 51 is a great tool to help you reconnect with God and restore your joy. So David's saying, God, have mercy on the outright sins that I've committed. Uh, maybe for you today, there's things that the Holy Spirit's bringing to your mind where you say, God, have mercy on me. I know that was wrong. Or maybe for you, it's just that like the mold on that fence, you didn't do some big, obvious wrong thing, but you've just kind of drifted from God. You've lost your passion. You've maybe stopped doing some things that you know God does want you doing, like reading the word of God regularly or fellowshipping with other believers. And so we pray, God, have mercy on us. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, would you blot out the stain or the consequences of my sins? Verse 2 says this, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. And verse 3 continues, I recognize, I own my rebellion. God, it's not just that I, you know, accidentally bumped into your car or accidentally walked on your grass. I have a heart that chose to do what was wrong and that haunts me day and night, God. That's why my joy's been stolen. And so here's what we're learning in Psalm 51. How do you restore your joyful friendship with God? Here's the answer, repentance. Repentance brings restoration and joy. Repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry. It's really owning. Uh, God, you love me unconditionally, but I really love you imperfectly. God, here's the specific ways that I've wronged you or wronged the people around me. I own that. And God, I want to be restored. I want to be cleansed. I want to be reunited with you. If you'll repent in that way, it will lead to restoration, which will bring joy back into your life. 
as you read all of Psalm 51, you'll see that restoration actually leads to inspiration. And inspiration will fuel you to do the work of God and take you to his destination or his destiny for your life. God wants you to live in a joyful life. He wants you living a life of purpose. And step one, when it feels like God is far away, is that repentance brings restoration and it brings joy. In the word of God, we find two types of repentance. There's a repentance that brings salvation. This is you knowing for sure that you have eternal life, knowing that your sins are forgiven because you've believed in Jesus' work on the cross. And if you've never done that before, you can do that right now. Did you know that on a scale of one to 10, if I was to ask you, how sure are you if you died today that you'd go to heaven, you can answer with a 10. If your answer is anything less than a 10, then right now call out to God. The word of God says, if you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. It also says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to pay money to a church. You don't have to do good deeds. In fact, there's no amount of good deeds you could do to earn salvation. You simply receive it as a free gift. And that's the first kind of repentance. In fact, if you're repenting in that way today, you can text us the word believe to the word on your screen and we will walk with you as a new believer. The moment that you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, a whole number of things happen. The chains of sin get broken off of your wrists. You're no longer a slave to sin. Your sins get washed away in the sight of Almighty God. And every time he sees you, he sees the perfection of his son. Not only that, you get adopted into the family of God. You have an eternal home in heaven. You have the Holy Spirit within you in this life and you have a purpose and a mission in this life. Well, as we go about that purpose and that mission in this life, we often have moments where our relationship with God gets cloudy or clouded. And the best way to understand this is to think of a parent-child relationship. Uh, let me show you a picture of one of my kids at one of their recent Christmas programs. Now you might look at this and say, John, which one is yours? And that's actually the point of why I'm showing you this picture. By the way, can I just give a shout out to our amazing teachers here in Brownsburg and in Avon and in Plainfield and Zionsville, Tri-West. We have such amazing schools in this area and it's because of our awesome teachers, our awesome educators. Here's what I've noticed at these Christmas programs. When you're there as a parent or a grandparent, you might see that, oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of kids up there, but you're really focused in on your child or your grandchild. Did you know that the moment you believe in Jesus, God sees you with that same kind of love, that same kind of focus? In fact, the end of Romans chapter eight says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. There's no amount of mistakes you can make that will ever make God stop loving you. However, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about sin in your life. Let's look back at the two kinds of repentance. The first is repentance for your salvation. And I believe that once you're adopted into the family of God, you can never get kicked out. I've got three kiddos. One of them is adopted. None of my three kids will ever be disowned by me, no matter what mistakes they make. However, my kids have had times where they're at odds with me. 
In fact, some of my kids, uh, when they were young, if they were throwing a fit, would say things like, Daddy, I don't like you, or Daddy, I hate you. Would I kick them out of the house? Not at all. Their place in my home is fixed. And if you've believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, your place in his home is fixed. However, you can be at odds in your relationship with him. So today, we're going to talk about this repentance that restores relationship. And when I think of repentance that restores relationship, I do think of my three kids. And I'm going to tell you a story where I've got to keep this child anonymous, okay? This would be so embarrassing for this child, but I'm going to keep them anonymous. And I'm sorry if it disgusts you a little bit, but parents and grandparents, I know you'll understand this, okay? One of my kids, they're all six and older now, but when one of them was four years old, this one had a really bad habit. This child would poop a little bit in their pants and they would just walk around like that. And I remember so many times in that season being like, what is that smell? And realizing, oh, it's so-and-so. Now here's the thing. When that child started doing that, did I kick them out of my house? Did I disown them? Did I stop loving them? Not at all. However, did I teach them to do better? Did I teach them to stop doing that? Yes, I did. In fact, I remember sitting down with that child and trying to reason as an adult. I remember sitting with that child and saying, hey, someday you're going to be standing at a wedding and you're going to be getting married to the person you're most in love with in all the world. And my job as a dad is to make sure that when you're standing there, you don't have poop in your pants. Well, it sounds silly, but here's the thing. It's really a great picture of sin in our lives. When you allow ongoing, unconfessed sin in your life, does your father in heaven stop loving you? No, he does not. Does he kick you out of his family? No, he does not. But does he sit you down and say you can do better? Yes, he does. God wants you in joyful relationship with him. So whether it's an obvious thing that you know the Holy Spirit right now is saying, yeah, I don't want to listen to this, but I know I need to, or maybe it's just that you've been drifting, God in this moment is saying, return to me. I want to teach you to live as my child. I have great plans for you. Let's walk in joyful fellowship, in joyful friendship. Let's fulfill the great things that I've planned for you to do in this world. Well, with that in mind, let's just cruise through Psalm 51 and let's really make it a prayer of our hearts. Would you join me together in just saying, God, have mercy on me. Father, if there's anything in my life that needs forgiveness, I claim the work of Jesus on the cross. Father, have mercy on me. Lord, because of your unfailing love, I thank you that you haven't disowned me. But God, I also tell you as your son or your daughter, I want to be walking in right relationship with you. God, because of your great compassion, would you blot out the stain of my sins? You know, there's three things if you're a note taker that I see in this verse. The first is really coming to God in a prayerful way, believing in God's unfailing love, owning our own mistakes, and then owning that there are consequences, the stain of my sins. You know, at Connection Point, we have this vision to raise the strongest generation. And so every child in our kids' city, every middle and high school student in our student ministry, we see each one of these as our spiritual children. We've got thousands of spiritual children in our church family. 
And for you, maybe you're watching and you have biological children, grandchildren, nephews or nieces. It's so important that while we teach them about God's unfailing love and that they can never outrun his love, that we also let them know that our sin does have consequences. Now, in the case of King David, the stain or the consequences of his sin were forgiven in God's eyes. When we see David in heaven, God's not going to be holding David's shame or guilt over him. God forgave David. But in this human world, there are consequences when we sin. And the bigger we sin or the more often we sin, the bigger those consequences can become. Now, in David's case, it destroyed a whole family. Bathsheba, who ended up coming to the palace, it destroyed her life. Not only that, it ended up dividing David's family, dividing the very nation that he led. And so we say, God, protect us from sin, past, present, and future, so that the consequences are minimized. And Lord, verse 2, would you wash me? Would you cleanse me? I recognize, verse 3, my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. These words are so powerful. And we live in a culture that does not recognize when we make mistakes and doesn't use this word rebellion. This is a big difference of repentance versus just saying, oh, I'm sorry, in a really hollow way. Uh, let me give you a funny example of a kid saying, I'm sorry, but definitely not repenting because she keeps doing the exact same thing. You're welcome to laugh as you look at this America's Funniest Video clip of this cute little girl. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, uh oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, it's a super cute clip, but it's also a great example of what repentance is not. Repentance is not saying, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go right back to it like it's no big deal. Repentance is saying, God, I really, really want to live your way. Now, repentance doesn't mean that then you'll be perfect, okay? God forgives us seven times, 70 times, over and over, but repentance is a heart. This is, God, I really want to follow you. I really want to live for you in my life. I think we get uncomfortable with the idea of repentance because we don't like to feel imperfect or small. But the reality is that we are small and we are imperfect apart from God, but in Christ, we've been made perfect. And in Christ, God takes what is small in our life and he can use it to bless so many others. I love this quote from Martin Luther. He says that God made man out of nothing. And as long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. You know, scripture says elsewhere that God resists the proud. Pride says, oh, I don't need to repent. I haven't done anything wrong. It's not that big a deal. Humility says, God, I really shouldn't have done that. Even though some people might say it's a small thing. God, I want to keep short accounts with you. I want to be right with you. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He makes something out of people who will be humble and humble themselves to nothing before him. Well, as we keep reading in Psalm 51, David owns his mistake and he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. You know, sometimes my wife Mel and I, 
will have fights. And that might be surprising for you to hear the pastor and his wife have fights. Oh yeah, we do. We have great throwdowns. Now you'll be relieved to know we don't fight every single day. But just like any healthy marriage, we have times where we disagree. We have times where we're hangry, where we're grumpy. And here's the reality. Amel and I have such a close relationship that if we have a really bad fight and I have to leave and go to work, I'm telling you guys that whole day, it'll be almost lost. I mean, I will be operating at like 20% capacity until I can get restored back to Mel. It doesn't matter how hard I try, my soul just knows I've been ripped away. There's a fracture, there's a rift, it's broken in the relationship. And I've gotta tell you, when that happens, what a joy it is. When I finally get home and there's resolution, there's restoration. In those moments, there's such joy. There's this relief. There's this internal sigh, this internal peace. And here's the thing. This is what God wants in his relationship with you. If there's anything that has torn you away from God, if there's any reason that your relationship with him is fractured or broken, he desires for you to come to him in a way that just says, God, I want to be restored to you. I want to walk with you again. That's really the heart of verse 10 here. When David writes, create in me a clean heart. God, I want to be right with you in my heart. Would you renew a loyal spirit within me? God, I want to be loyal to you. Just ask God for that. And then in verse 11, he says, don't banish me from your presence. Uh, David, now having all the wealth of a king, having tasted every pleasure that life offers, being famous and everything else that a person could possibly want, realizes it's God's presence that our soul most needs. And if we don't have his presence, we won't have joy. On the flip side, when we do have his presence, we do have joy. And so David says, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. As a follower of Jesus, even when God feels far away, his Holy Spirit is still within you. And it's just if you're not experiencing him that you need to return to him in a way that says, God, create a clean heart in me, restore my joy. In fact, that's exactly what verse 12 says. Restore the joy of your salvation. And God, make me willing to obey you. You ever once in a while, I don't go on social media a lot, but every once in a while, if I'm on there, I'll see an article about life hacks. Life hacks is when they say, here's a way to shorten your work day, or here's how to eat healthier. Here are some life hacks. Well, let me give you some spiritual life hacks. Here's one of them. Ask God this simple prayer. When you're struggling to do what's right, or if you're struggling to say no to something that's wrong, then just pray Psalm 51 verse 12 and say, God, make me willing to obey you. This word willing is based on the word will or desire. You have a will or desire within you at all times and you can pray and you can say, God, uh, here's my will. Right now it's bent towards things that I know are not of you. Would you reshape my will? Let me give you some additional life hacks to shape your will according to what God wants. First, just ask him. Secondly, be reading his word. 
The more you renew your mind in scripture, the more your will will be conformed to the very desires of God. In fact, if you don't have a Bible that you love reading, text the word Bible to the number on the screen. We'll get you one of our life application study Bibles. We want the word of God in your life so that your will, your very desires mirror the desires of God. There's another great life hack. Every day we text out a short one or two minute video devotional based on the word of God. And it's me just saying, here's a scripture we can live out today. If you're not yet getting it, text the word daily to the number on your screen. You can join thousands of others who every day we're living out the word of God together. The last life hack I wanna give you to shape your will to the very desires of God is to be in a group with other believers. Just like animals travel in packs, God wants you to be part of this tribe, a movement where you have brothers and sisters who are encouraging you to do what's right. So if you text the word group, we'll get you in a group where other men and women of God are encouraging you and helping you choose a will that aligns with God's desires in your life. Well, I love this verse in Titus 2, verse 12. It says this, the grace of God, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And the grace of God teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's not easy to live for Jesus in this present age. It's not easy to live a self-controlled life. That's why we need each other. I hope you know today that I pray for you regularly, that I'm cheering you on, the Connection Point exists to help you follow Jesus in every way. Well, I want you to visualize as we close any shame, any guilt, anything that has come between you and God. And we're going to do this picture of the power washing one last time. And I just want you to visualize whether it's an outright sin or it's just, you know, you haven't really been loving God or maybe you've been looking to other people for your approval. You've been looking to other things for your security. Whatever that corrosion is between you and God, I want you to watch this and just pray, God, cleanse me and listen to this promise from the word of God. It says, if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's what God wants you to know today. First John one, verse seven, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. God did not bring you here today to shame you or guilt you. God wants you living a life of freedom. He wants you not walking around weighed down by unresolved shame and unresolved problems. He wants you walking with your shoulders back and your head held high. He wants you knowing that you're a son, that you're a daughter of the king. He wants you knowing that you're completely right with him. He wants you in joyful friendship with him. I'm gonna pray that for you right now. Father, we thank you that because of the cross, our debts are paid. That because of the cross, our stains are washed away. 
that Jesus, because you poured out your blood for us, our mistakes have been washed. We've been purified from the inside out. We are new creations. And oh Lord, would you continue to create a new heart in us? Would you restore our joy? Would you make us men and women who walk hand in hand with you and as we walk with you, that your joy would just emanate from us? God, we know that in this broken world, you've got great work for us to do. We can't do that work apart from you. So God, it's the prayer of our hearts today to be in deep fellowship with you, fulfilled by you, that we would know your presence and your joy all made possible, Jesus, because of what you've done on the cross for us. Lord, I pray for every person listening with us today that every single one would know that their sins are forgiven. And Lord, may we live as forgiven, adopted, loved sons and daughters. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.